This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Dr. Carl Bamlett, The Modern Caveman, a show that helps you to reshape your modern life using wisdom from the past. Welcome to The Modern Caveman, where this week we're going to be talking about some of the the newest uh, evidence out there and some new types of studies, how they come up with this specific evidence. And we're going to talk about uh, the weight loss and um, our health and how we can kind of maximize that for our body type and for our our DNA. And these new studies are really exciting and we can get really specific with some real specific um, information. Stay tuned. So the new types of studies that we're talking about have come about as a result of um, all this techni- uh, technology with the Human Genome Project and all the uh, things that have come of that from the past 20 years. Um, and this is... Um, getting to be new front-of-the-line information because it's really hard to compile and it's taken a long time to figure out how to study it and what we have to do. Um, and so what what we actually do to try and assess this information, because it is so complex and there are so many aspects to it, they call, it's called a genome-wide association study. So instead of saying, we're going to take these people and put them in this study and look for this, instead what they do is they, they look at the DNA, they see what groupings are together in what um, categories, and then they study and see why is it that way, which is a very powerful way to see this. And there's some trends that have come from this and things that we found and some recommendations that can be made. And so we're going to try and uncover some of those things, share what's been found, um, talk about some of the information out there, um, if it's true or not, and what you can put into place to try and make some of these changes that can help you benefit. And so a lot of the things we're going to be talking about um, that have been studied largely so far. And, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's been said, but a lot of the information that's coming out is around um, weight, weight loss, BMI, um, obesity, diabetes, all those things that kind of go together in that category. So if, if these are things that challenge you, this is going to be a very um, interesting show, I think. And you may have heard some of our shows in the past where we talk talk about uh, the different body types and how Ayurveda um, and um, even Western medicine have known for a while that there's you know, three three different types of categories that we get put into, um, the vata, pitta, kapha, the endomorph, ectomorph, and mesomorph, depending on which philosophy you're thinking about. Um, and we get put into these categories, and they were way ahead of their time, but they didn't have the exact reason why there were these different types. So now we have some different things that can contribute to that and give you some good information. So one of the first things we're going to talk about is um, a study done, or well, one of the studies done, um, around the ApoA2 gene. And this is uh, associated with obesity. Um, and so this gene associated with obesity and high saturated fat intake, Okay. So uh, for whatever reason, this uh, molecule is part of what's related with that. And in this study, they found that um, in the CC individual, so this is your, your genotype, we won't, we won't get into that aspect of it. We, that's, that's quite complex, and that would be something for another show altogether. But in this one of three types of body types, the CC, um, the obesity increases with high saturated fat intake of over 22 grams a day. 
All right. So that is a pretty big risk. This 84% increase in risk from that. So that's a pretty big increase in risk from that, that bit of saturated fat. And so we will um, co- uncover this a bit more, but in the end, we'll come back and we'll kind of put all these things that we find together into some recommendations that we can do. And there's um, the reason why this happens is that that ApoA2 gene seems to um, be involved with appetite and energy balance. So when we have that extra extra saturated fat, we're going to be craving more food and more things um, if you're that body type. If you're not that body type, it doesn't make a difference. So uh, this will be applicable for maybe a third to 40% of the people out there, and the other 60%, this won't apply to you at all um, because more or less doesn't really have have an impact. So if you're somebody who's in that you know, group of higher BMI or obesity or other things going on like that, this is something that you can put into your into your brain, into your cabinet for things that you can pull out and use and, and see what this does for you. Some of the other information that's going to be um, uh, relating with this, you know, BMI, obesity, um, and how it has an effect on us is around another um, gene that we've talked about is the PPARG2 gene, and that is going to be around um, the monounsaturated fats, the MUFAs. Um, so we covered saturated fats first, now we're under the MUFAs. And the people with, with this um, gene that's affected, uh, the GG allele in this one's case, um, they have a significantly lower BMI when greater than 56% of fat is consumed as a MUFA. Um, so you, these are two aspects. If, we, if, you, if you're unlucky enough to have both these things, uh, you have to have less than 22 grams a day of saturated fat, and over 56% of your fat needs to be in the MUFA form, monounsaturated fats. And some, some, some forms of that are going to be things like olive oil, uh, for example. There's plenty of other ones out there, but that's, that's a common one that we know of. Um, now if we get into the, to, to the next line of fatty acids, we get into the, the PUFAs. And which are polyunsaturated, which are like in fish oils, and they're really good anti-inflammatory and lots of other prospects to them. And we'll talk about the HDL cholesterol and obesity relating with this. So um, in the fatty acid desaturase category, or that gene, um, there are effects on the CLE carriers. Um, They had lower BMI and waist circumference um, when they're Inflammatory linoleic acid was less than 9.5 grams a day. So we have in the inflammatory, anti-inflammatory, the omega-3 versus the omega-6. The omega-3s are the ones that were out of balance and they're considered good. Um, And the omega-6s are the ones that we have too much of and they're considered bad. So the precursor to that is linoleic acid. And if we put too much of that in, then then we're going to get more of the bad things. So if we have more than 9.5 grams of that, it's bad for us. If we have less than 9.5 grams of that, um, the BMI and the waist circumference go down. So these are three aspects of things that can have a big effect on us. And these are just some of the studies. And when, when we start to talk about these, these genes and these associations that we have, this isn't the only effect that it's going to have, but this is one that we found. Um, the human body is incredibly complex. Our DNA is incredibly complex. And there's many other um, pleiotropic effects where the 
one gene can affect many things. Um, and that's part of the challenges with this. So w what we have to do is be aware of that and know that this is one thing that we can take to help encourage us to change our diet, but it can have many other effects other than um, just this effect. On to the next macronutrient and how we can have this effect to, to improve us. Um, if we get on to the um, effects of protein and the um, FTO um, gene, uh, which uh, is a fat mass and obesity-associated protein, um, this gene has an association for the AA body type. So we get into those three body types that we're talking about here, and we're just covering some of the different macronutrients and the effects that they're going to have on us. And so when we get into this AA type, um, had a 220% reduction in fat mass with a high-protein percentage diet. So if you go into your breakdowns of your different macronutrients, your fats, your carbohydrates, and your proteins, and you say, okay, this person's 90% carbohydrates, 10% fat, 0% protein, that's not really realistic, but some people are um, quite low on protein as they try and cut that out of their diet for whatever reasons. But you say a 15% protein, 20% fat, and 65% carb is a, is a realistic type for some. Uh, 25 protein, 25 or 35 fat, and 40% carb is another pretty common one. The, the keto um, diets that are popular right now are um, less than 10% carbohydrates, and the rest made up with um, fats and uh, proteins that are the ketogenic uh, proteins or amino acids. Um, and so that is going to be some of the different breakdowns with it. And with this AA grouping, they had a 220% reduction in fat mass with a protein, high protein percentage diet that was still calorie restricted. So the percentage of it was quite a bit higher, um, but it was still less calories overall. So it's not like you're eating, you know, as much as you want. It's a calorie restricted diet, but when they had a certain amount of protein in there, that helped them to um, not, eat as, not, not eat as much and uh lose more weight. And some of the different mechanisms for that um, are it affects our appetite hormone ghrelin, which we've talked about on the show quite a bit, um, and that's going to make him, make the person um, having that high-protein diet on that AA genotype, they're going to be not as hungry. Um, it regulates your amino acid levels, and the FTO also um, can have a variation effect on your appetite. And there's the plausible and probable effect of having other genes play a role in this too. So for that AA type, the um, higher percentage protein diet will be of, of value. And so now we're going to get over, if we've gone through the fats, we've gone through the proteins quickly, um, and now we're going to get into the carbohydrates. And so who are the people that can benefit from, you know, break down carbohydrates easier and deal with things better? So one of the genes that we've found was uh, salivary amylase, or AMI1 gene. Um, this gene, they haven't found out exactly how this works. This is, so this is the um, enzymes in your saliva that break down carbohydrates. And so when people have more of this variant, this is a different type of thing going on, but if you the more variants you have, the better you can digest carbohydrates. So the people with four AMI1 copies, um, they have lower activity and can't digest as well, and the ones with more copies can digest better. So two people eating the same diet can have completely different responses, and uh, we're, these are many of the reasons why. Um, and so one of the reasons why this may help um, 
help is that it's going to improve glucose homeostasis after starch ingestion. Um, and so this is going to be one reason why you can have it help you out with digesting carbohydrates. Um, but this one still needs a bit more evidence behind it before we know exactly what's going on. Um, one of the risk factors for um, diabetes, which is right in with this whole, whole uh, line of obesity and BMI and things we're talking about, um, is for gene transcription factor 7-like-2. Um, these, these names are very confusing to understand and remember, um, but these are just enzymes and things in our body that haven't shown to be that big of a, uh, a thing to study in the past, and that's why we didn't get the exact results that um, we would like to see and why it was a lot of hearsay, where these are actually finding out what is going on by looking at it and then figuring out from what's actually been found in the, in the studies, and it's quite quite cool to see. And um, so this particular protein, transcription factor 7 like 2, is highly expressed in gut and pancreas, and it's thought to play a role in insulin secretion and beta cell function. Um, and it's consistently linked in different studies to type 2 diabetes. Um, and what this has shown us in these people that are at risk for it, the T allele, so if you have a copy of that T allele in your, in your DNA, that puts you at risk, and it increases your risk by 30 to 50% for having diabetes. Um, and so the ways where we can modify this, um, a high glycemic load diet amplifies your risk of diabetes in these carriers. So glycemic index versus glycemic load, these are probably some terms you've heard of before and maybe don't quite know what they mean. So a glycemic load means the overall amount of sugars and carbohydrates in the food, where the glycemic index is how quickly it spikes your blood sugar. So, so the high glycemic load or a, a meal with a lot of carbohydrates and sugars in it um, amplifies the diabetes risk in the T allele carriers. And the fiber intake is only productive in people without this risk variant. So we, we have a lot of information out there about fibers being very beneficial for us and we all need this amount of fiber. And these carriers, the T allele and this particular gene transcription factor like 7, uh, or seven like two, um, it's not, and so that's yeah, that, that's a big a big wake up for for people in that in that category, um, and whole in grain intake is only productive in those without the risk variant too. So the fiber and the whole grains don't help protect those people from from the the diabetes, which is interesting. And if we go to the next one, we'll bring a little bit of this together before we start to talk about the the broader scope and the, the overall picture again is if we look into this TCF7L2, uh, transcription factor 7 like 2, um, one of the biggest ways to moderate this risk that has been studied and been found if you are one of these variant carriers is a Mediterranean diet for those TT risk groups. So the Mediterranean diet is the high MUFA content with uh, the other, you know, uh, other aspects that it's known for. And one thing they didn't elucidate was a mechanism in this study, but it decreased the risk um, by threefold. So you're a third, you're third at risk for um, stroke and um, obesity and other things going on from this um, based off of switching to a Mediterranean diet when you're having this type of um, gene variant. Mm. 
Sometimes late at night I lie awake and watch her sleeping She's lost in peaceful dreams So I turn out the lights And lay there in the dark And the thought crosses my mind I never wake up ever doubt the way I feel about her in my heart If tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I love her And did I try in every way to show her every day that she's my only one And if my time on earth was through And she must face this world without me Is the love I gave her in the past Gonna be enough to last If tomorrow never comes I've lost loved ones in my life Who never knew how much I loved them Now I live with the regret That my true feelings for them Never were revealed So I made a promise to myself each day how much she means to me And avoid that circumstance Where there's no second chance To tell her how I feel Cause if tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I loved her did I try in every way To show her every day That she's my only one And if my time on earth were through And she must face this world without me Is the love I gave her in the past Gonna be enough to last if tomorrow never comes If tomorrow never comes Will she know how much I love her? Did I try in every way To show her every day That she's my only one And if my time on must face this world without me It's the love I gave her in the past Gonna be enough to last If tomorrow never comes So tell that someone that you love Just what you're thinking of If tomorrow never comes
So that is some of the overall wide-reaching aspects of how do we put this into practice? Because that information is quite confusing. Um, uh, my, my producer is looking at me, shaking her head, going, yes, it's very confusing. Um, and so we got to get practical applications of how we can change this and what you can actually implement at home from all the information out there. Because I don't know about you, but um, when you watch television, when you see on TV, when you look anywhere, when you see on the internet, there's 75 different recommendations of what you should be doing, what's good for you, what's good for the next person. And it all seems to be talking in a very definitive way that this is absolutely the best. Um, and so obviously all of them can't be the best for everybody. And we have to figure out what's right for you. So um, we're going to walk through that pattern. of If you have these conditions, today it's around you know the BMI, obesity, diabetes, but it can also be around your overall health. Because when we get into things like the um, omega-3s versus omega-6s, pretty much everybody's going to have a bit more omega-6s than omega-3s. Uh, the, the ratio in the common, common Western diet is between 10 and 16 to 1. So that means for every one ounce of omega-3s you have, you'll have 10 to 16 ounces of omega-6s, which is inflammatory um, and, and becomes quite a problem later on once our body gets a little bit uh, more challenged with adapting to it. So um, even just that one little bit is a really important thing um, to change. And other things like cholesterol levels can be problematic and changing this around, changing these things that we're going to talk about around can have a big effect on us. So when we're getting into the, the, the fatty acid content, one thing you hear quite dramatically is the uh, Mediterranean diet is, is really good. And for this for this uh, group of TTs, that pattern of eating is a really good thing. But what about that pattern of eating and what about changing over towards that is, is the most beneficial? Um, is it the uh, fatty acid, the, the monounsaturated fatty acids, or is it the switch away from the more harmful trans fatty acids or the you know, the saturated fatty acids, or what aspect of it is it? Is it the general just eating pattern of more nuts and seeds and all these different things that it could be? Um, and so some of the things that we know that in our Western diets do contribute is the inflammation, the inflammatory process, the PUFAs, um, uh, the PUFA balance, and the higher amounts of the cooked um, processed, saturated, and trans fats that we're going to be having. So let's talk about some of the, the common sources that get a bit of a bad rap, some that get, you know, a good rap, and where we go in between there. So um, one of the first things that we that we hear talking about is, um, you know, to get more of the PUFAs, you need the high fish diet um, and olive oil and um, that's going to be where you get the Mediterranean-type diet. And some other things that we can do, if we look into what we have readily available to us um, already and what is sustainable for a lot of us to be able to do is what type of of meat are you choosing to have already? So if you're already eating meat, and I'm not telling you you have to, you have to eat meat if you're not, but if you're already eating meat, what type of meat are you consuming? Are you consuming grass-fed, free-range uh, beef, or are you, are, are you eating uh, corn-fed or grain-fed or things like uh, Wagyu beef, which get other things fed to it, which make it even more uh, inflamed. So you got to choose carefully what type you're having to have these beneficial effects. So if we look at grass-fed quality beef um, compared to the, the fish makeup of these fatty acids, um, this is an interesting paper I found online that goes through the whole breakdown of just about any type of meat you could want. And if we go to the 
the per 100 grams of of food. So uh, we're going to compare beef with the oily fish. So we're going to give you a like for like to see what the different levels are. So if we're going to go the total of saturated fat for 100 grams of grass-fed beef compared to oily fish, um, you have 1.1 gram per 100 grams in the beef and 3.3 grams per 100 grams in the fish. So that's three times as much in the fish to the grass-fed beef um, grams for grams. So that is that is pretty 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 big number there. Um, the the monounsaturated, the MUFAs, which which are um, pressed pretty highly too, um, 1.2 in the beef compared to 5.3 in the oily fish. When you get to the really good omega-3s, you have 0.136 in the beef and 2.355 in the oily fish, which is quite a bit higher than everything else. Um, so to get the EPA, the DHA, which are your long-chain omega-3s, that's where you get the omega-3 supplements that uh, are, are um, very beneficial in helping that out. But if we don't have the inflammatory f um, bits in there as much, it's going to be um, a good thing too. So if we're not eating the um, overprocessed um, fried foods and things, that's going to be where we get that balance into line. That's how you get it from being 10, 16 to 1 to 1 to 1. Um, and a combination of this fish with the beef would be good. But if you look at the overall fat between those three categories, it's only the, the comparison is 2.3 grams per 100 grams in the beef as opposed to over 10 grams per 100 grams in the fish. So the intake is quite a lot different. You could only, in two grams of fish, you have essentially your, um, quite a few levels of what you should have for fat in the day. So um, it's gonna be getting up there pretty quickly. And if you just switch over the beef, that will also help to get you the good um, from grain-fed to grass-fed. That will also help to get those oils in the right way. And if, to go back and talk about the um, abundance and the right way to get those um, fats with the CC genotype and the APOA2 gene, um, we want less than 22 grams a day of the saturated fat, okay? Less than 22 grams a day of the saturated fat is what they found in that and to decrease your risk of obesity by 84%. So that is the, the goal. So if you're looking to cut that weight, less than 22 grams a day of saturated fat. So cutting out things like your um, packaged packaged chips or candy bars is a is a must. But then when we start getting into the the you know like a what we talk about on the show quite a bit like a good paleo type diet with lots of vegetables, fruits, uh, meats and meats, nuts and seeds, and to to what we need in a day, um, you get to the switching over to the grass fed beef, and you can get the fish in there too. So if we were just to get our 22 grams from beef, and the rest was going to be um, vegetables like broccoli, cauliflower, cabbage, uh, carrots, whatnot, um, into the diet. To get 22 grams of saturated fat from beef that's grass-fed, you would need to have roughly 2.2 kilos. So I hope you're not eating that much in a day. <laughs> I hope you're not eating that much in a day. Um, uh, and um, 
your monounsaturated fats would be quite high, but um, I don't know if they'd outdo the the bad of having 2.2 kilos of it. It's not you don't need that much, um, but you know you definitely be under that level if you're having a reasonable amount of that beef, a couple hundred kilo or a couple hundred grams um, of that would be more than fine. And if you do want to have some days with fish, fish are good. I'm not trying to be be a downer on fish, but fish is kind of the uh, the, the gold standard that we're comparing to. Um, and this is fish that's free, free, free caught um, and free raised, not um, caught or not raised in captivity fed, fed a grain diet. Because if we were, if we were going to compare the, um, you know, the, the, the quality fish to the other types of fish, I think it might have a bit of a different type of uh, distribution of what's showing up with it. Um, because the, the farm raised fish is going to be fed different foods than a wild fish. And so the grass-fed beef is going to be very comparable with the wild fish, and I would imagine um, the grain-fed beef is going to be more comparable to the um, fish raised in captivity. So that is one example of how we go about getting this uh, CC individuals with the APOA2 gene, keeping their saturated fat intake down. Because we hear a lot of um, talk about the, the beef being bad and we need to get away from that, and, and it's... It's not, and there's a lot of people that don't talk like that. There's just certain groups that, that say that, and so that's one that doesn't really need to be done. But the the PUFAs, getting those levels up, so having that fish to get, get your levels up on that. So we want to have less than 9.5 grams a day of the LA, which is the inflammatory omega-6 fatty acids. And if we start to look into this, the, the fish's total... Omega-6s are going to be 0.25, and the beef is going to be 0.3. So that is going to be very close to one another. So both of those can be relatively not inflammatory. So, um, I mean, once again, you're going to have to eat a lot, a lot of either one of those to get up to levels that are going to be um, getting you over that 9 0.5 grams a day. Um, it's going to be a bit of an absurd number, so we won't even <laughs> break that down. And getting back to the protein. So if we're trying to get, of our overall macronutrients, trying to get uh, that weight reduction, which a oh, 220% reduction in fat mass with a high protein percentage diet with the calorie restriction going on. So let's say you're doing a, uh, so if we're going to go into kilocalorie diet here. This is what I'm used to. So if we're doing a 2,000 calorie diet, um, if 25% is going to be from protein, that would be 500 calories from protein. You'd be, lo you'd be looking to get if it's a 25% reduction, which is what um, in these diets a lot of it kind of showed um, to have a pretty big reduction um, of over 20% risk for obesity to have this protein. So this with the beef and with the fish are going to be good ways to have that reduction um, or the, the way to help yourself reduce your weight, um, which, will be, which will be another good thing to add into what you're doing um, with this type of paleo diet. And this is the information because we talk about this stuff a lot, but some of the studies that are coming out are getting a lot more specific as to mechanisms to it and why it happens and explaining a lot better and in a different way than it ever has been done before based to the the really fascinating science that's out there.
Blame it all on my roots. I showed up in boots and ruined your black tie fair. Last one to know, last one to show. I was the last one you thought you'd see there. And I saw the surprise and the fear in his eyes when I took his glass of champagne. I toasted you, said, honey, we may be
So the next thing we're going to talk about, we're going to get back to those macronutrients and the carbohydrates. Um, and when you're, we, we've already talked about the risk for diabetes and how some people can process better than others based off these variants that they have, and that the Mediterranean type diet um, affected that um, pattern diet. And that's that's that diet pattern compared to other diet patterns. So that's not saying everybody has to be, has to eat that exact same diet because if we did that, then the diet would have to, then the food that they got would have to change how they get it and it would change the effects. So we have to see what the aspects of it are. And the high MUFA intake is one aspect that that could be, And but what are, what are the, the monounsaturated fats replacing would be um, a good thing to look at as well. Um, and are the PUFAs going to be doing the same effect? So these are all questions that we're still looking into and we don't have an answer for. But it would make sense that all these other components that we found here, if we're making those changes, the Mediterranean diet would be very similar. And you're going to be making the changes that would be having the same effect. Um, the studies will come out in time and let us know exactly what's showing up. Um, but that's the, the right way to look at it as of right now. So if we get back to the, the difference in some of those things, because we're, we're really talking heavy on the, on the fats and the, the components that are in there, and if we can look to some of those the differences between grass-fed and, and grain-fed and traditional, some of the main differences, um, if we talk about the monounsaturated fats, grass-fed beef contains much less fat overall, and it contains less fat than grain-fed beef for the monounsaturated. So... The monounsaturated, that is not going to be the way to do it, but with the fat, the fish, you can get that aspect to help supplement into the diet. So have fish a couple days a week to get that aspect with it. Um, the omega-6s, they're going to be similar on low, similar percentages, but on low levels of it. The omega-3s, grass-fed has up to five times more omega-3s than omega-6s. So you're going to have that right balance in place, um, and there's going to be less overall fat. Um, and the congelated linoleic acid, um, grass-fed has about twice as much as grain-fed beef. So when you, your question is going to be, what's that? And the congelated linoleic, conjugate, conjugated linoleic acid, sorry about that, but it was tongue twister, is going to be a beneficial omega-6 uh, that can be converted to what it needs to be converted to, whether it be an omega-3 um, or, or some of the good cytokines, which are inflammatory markers in the body, because we do need some inflammatory markers. Um, it's not that all are bad. We do need some inflammatory markers. Um, and so that is higher in the grass-fed than in the grain-fed. Um, and so the ratios sort themselves out when you feed the animal what it's meant to be fed. And that's what that, that um, finding in the, the balance of the different fats and the different types of animal shows. Um, and so if you're one of the people with the MUFA variant, the beef alone switching to that grass-fed isn't going to be the big thing. Um, but, you know, adding the fish in, the oily fish, the, the salmons, the other things that are going to give you, the, the Arctic cod, that's going to give you a little bit more of that. And taking a fish oil supplement would be beneficial for you. So now the next question that is on everyone's mind is, how do I know if I have one of those variants? Um, and that is a good question. Um, and before I tell you that, I'm going to talk a little bit more about um, why this is just the tip of the iceberg. And focusing on each individual variant is um, not the ideal way to go. 
if you look at what the information says about those different variants that can happen, and that's that's one variant of millions upon millions potential ones that can happen throughout the, the genome because it's so complex and there's so many changes. Even to one of the the little markers for one of the say the the ApoA2 gene, there can be several different variants that can happen to just that gene um, in many different ways that can change its function and can change what happens to it. I mean, if you look at the complexity of the world around us and all the different diseases and all the different things going on, that's how many different things can happen. So it's, it's so complex. But what we can do is use this information as a whole to kind of tell us the amount of variability that can happen and what the general scheme looks like that's best for people. And if you do these good things, it's not going to negatively impact the, the trends that people that don't have the, the variant by doing it. So say you, you aren't one of the CC or GG ones that are the main targets. If you do it too, it's not going to poorly affect you. So that's good. But you still want to know. You need that information to really motivate you to know if that's what you want. And there are ways to do this. So um, lots of companies um, offer DNA testing, um, uh, gene testing, so that you can do this. Um, and there are you know, quite a few companies in New Zealand and around the world that can send it out and get it done. The, the testing usually has to be sent away to get it done. I don't think any companies in New Zealand actually do the testing for the, for the DNA. There may, be, there may be one starting up now, but I'm not sure if they're up. And so you can get these tests done. They come back. They give you a bit of a, a rundown with it. And whatever healthcare provider you go to to do this, they can go over it with you. That's kind of part of the part of the service. So you can know, okay, I have this variant, this variant, this variant, this variant, um, and these things can help me. Um, these tests are quite expensive still, um, so that's one of the, the troubles with them. Um, and there's plenty of other things that are at play where you you know. Uh, you, if you can use the information and not need the test, if you can motivate yourself without the test, I think that would be even good. But if you say you're motivated and you're doing these things, you're using the measurements for the amount of, you know, MUFAs and PUFAs and um, saturated fats that you need to have, and you're still not getting the results after really being regimented with those levels that we talked about and how you go about getting them. And if you're not getting the results, then that's where you start to go and say, okay, I definitely need this test to, to figure out what's going on with it. Um, and the more variants you have, the harder things are going to be. Because if you have all these things combined, you have very little way, leeway room um, to, to make mistakes with things. So I guess the, the, the takeaway from this is um, the bad fats that we can get from the fried foods and things like that are going to be part of the problem. So you really have to minimize the amount of those things that you're having. So whether it be the your favorite things, the candy bar that's quite high in it, or the potato chips, or the um, you know f delicious fried food that you go out on a Friday night or a Saturday with friends and get these things, limit those bits. Swap them out with a little bit healthier version that might uh, not convey the same risk for you. And these things can all help you with your um, BMI, obesity, and diabetes risks that you're trying to change. Thank you. You can find our podcast on Facebook at Dr. Carl Bamlet, the Modern Caveman, on the Plains FM website and iTunes, and you can get the live stream from plainsfm.org.nz or the TuneIn app.
On behalf of Carl Waratini, I'm Dr. Carl Bamlett, chiropractor at the Alpha Omega Clinic, reminding you that you can't change from within on the outside looking in. Thank you for listening to Dr. Carl Bamlett, the modern caveman. For more healthy lifestyle tips, find Dr. Carl on drcarlbamlett.com and like him on Facebook. I'm Pascal Batrick, signing off for Dr. Carl Bamlett, the modern caveman.